What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, December 2nd. This is our second podcast of the day. We have a Brady Quinn football show in the feed. If you want to hear people complain about um, the scheduling issues with the NFL, if you want to hear Brady lament the fairness issues between the Broncos and the Ravens game, and if you want to hear me complain about Garland on uh, – Hanging over my mantle that's ruining my ability to see my scoreboard on my television. Go listen to that. If you want to hear Ravens and Steelers gambling talk, you're in the right place because we're about to preview with Emory Hunt at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Cooling, man. Thanks for having me on, Will. Uh, thanks for doing it. As always, uh, you, you always come in with some, some great nuggets, some great info on the game. Uh, although this game in particular is kind of impossible to handicap. I mean, this game was supposed to be played on, everybody knows this game was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving night. The NFL, the Ravens had a bunch of co- positive COVID tests. The, the, they moved the game to Sunday. On Thanksgiving night, it was announced Lamar Jackson had COVID, so he's out for the game. Now it seems like J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram will be back in for the game. It's all these moving parts on who's going to play and who's not going to play. Lamar is out, though, and that's why the Steelers are minus 10 in this game at William Hill. The over-under set for 42 and a half. I, Emory, I mean, my thing is that, like, I, I mean, maybe I'm just oversimplifying it, but I look at this and I'm like, there's no way I can take the Ravens. Do you feel any differently? You know, and especially with it coming out just a few minutes ago that Dobbins and also, um, Ingram won't play. Oh, so, so they're not going to play. There so you go. They're not going to play. So you're going to be Gus Edwards heavy, uh, maybe Justice Hill heavy, but it's tough. The only good saving grace for the Ravens is that this is a divisional opponent, so they have a lot of information on them. They have a lot of intel on what they like to do and what they will try to do. So that kind of helps them out on defense. And offensively, they're probably just going to lean a little bit more into their run game. Whatever, you know, Whichever back has a hot hand is going to be Gus Edwards, who had a lot of success against Pittsburgh in their first matchup. So there's a lot of positivity in this matchup, despite being shorthanded for Baltimore. Where things can get tight and dicey is where you, what you lose in the X factor in Lamar Jackson, uh, not being able to play. RG3 is a solid player, uh, but he doesn't give you that same threat as a runner as Lamar does. He's capable as a runner, but not the same threat. And in the passing game, I don't think he has that same level of continuity in the deep ball that we saw Lamar have, uh, when he's out there. So you lose that element of, you know, the plus one in a run game with, with your quarterback. So it's going to be tough. I see more of the under hitting here. Mm. And if anything, I can see Baltimore just off sheer pride <laughs> keeping this one close because of the continuity that they, that exists between these two teams. So I can see this game being 20 to 13 or something like that. So I would probably take the Ravens and the points here based off the commonalities that they faced each other uh, multiple times over. Not a lot of changes in the coaching staff. So it's going to be a tight game. It's thrown in the middle of the week. But I don't see how the Ravens can overcome all of that and win. But I do see how there is a pathway for them to keep it close. Yeah, and I mean, there's also the the opportunity, you know, late in the game, the Steelers are up 14 points. It doesn't feel like the game is remotely close. And RG3 throws a deep ball to Marquise Brown, um, you know, with three minutes left. I mean, look, you don't have to look any further than the Seahawks-Eagles game on Monday night, right? You don't need to have your lead threatened for the other team to cover. I mean, like, you know, like the Seahawks are never worried about losing that game when Carson, I mean, I mean you, know, you got to cover the onside. It's, I guess it's out there. They could lose, but same thing with this game. You know, the, 
and the Steelers could be up, you know, 17 points and Baltimore could score and go for two because, you know, who, who the hell knows? I mean, again, like what the Eagles did. Uh, and, and then you would, then you would lose your, your Steelers bet. So yeah, I agree with you. That's a lot of points for a divisional matchup. Um, I cannot see myself taking this, the 10 with Baltimore, although I, I do think John Harbaugh is going to bring this team with a sense of pride. And if you, if you know, like he's going to say, no one is giving us a chance, guys. And this is our last stand. You know, Pittsburgh is probably going to come in a little, you know, feeling like now the, I, I guess I don't know whether Pittsburgh will come in feeling like, all right, free win against Baltimore. Let's ride. Or if they're going to be like, these guys screwed up our schedule. We are so mad at them. Let's obliterate these, these backups, which I think is also possible because it's not like we're going to see Mike Tomlin and, and Pittsburgh sleepwalk in a home game against a divisional rival. I mean, this is a chance to not, basically knock the Ravens out of the playoffs or at least make it much harder for them to make it. This is a chance it's not officially that they would seal the division and lock it up, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, at this point, you know, it would be almost impossible for Baltimore to overcome it. And Pittsburgh has motivation in this game because they still want to get the number one seed. Right now, we know, you know, we know there will be at least seven teams. The NFL could go to eight and render the, the Steelers and Chiefs records meaningless. But right now it's seven and the number one seed gets a gets a buy and nobody else does. And home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Home field not as important, but the buy feels very important, especially with COVID protocols. So the Chiefs are nipping on their heels. I, I think the Steelers will be motivated. I do agree with you though. I think this is an underplay all the way. I'm surprised that the line ticked up to 42 and a half, quite frankly. Um, the one concern I would have on the over is that it's probably a kitchen sink game for Greg Roman in terms of what he's willing to do with RG3. Maybe willing to let him run some read option for, for all we know. Um, Pittsburgh's defense on the back end is not uh, like I, it's not, it's, they can do some damage with turnovers, but they can be a little leaky at times too. Um, conversely, Pittsburgh could score 14 points on defensive touchdowns, you know? So that, that's sort of my only concern with the under, but I, I think I tend to agree with you. I don't think this would be a high scoring affair. Yeah, if you look at the first matchup, they had an opportunity, Baltimore, to win that game outright. They were really beating Pittsburgh soundly. Um, if it wasn't for the turnovers, Pittsburgh loses that football game. So Baltimore matches up well defensively. Now they're going to be banged up, obviously, with guys missing. They're going to be shorthanded. Uh, but they do have a good idea of what Pittsburgh wants to do to attack. And they can have some success because – the run game isn't as dominant as it should be considering the personnel. So there's an opportunity for Baltimore to try to, you know, scratch and claw their way in this, in, into this game and, and perhaps get a win. What we do know is that they don't need many yards to get in the field goal range. So we may see a series of field goals mm-hmm. to keep chipping away at whatever lead Pittsburgh is able to get because they're able to cross the 50, maybe get to the 45 and they're in Justin Tucker range. So it's going to be, a, a it's gonna be an interesting game. Yeah, and all right, so let's talk some player props as well, which kind of you know obviously dovetails with the total in the game. I mean, scrolling through these, so I'm just going to rip off some numbers here. RG3 total pass. These are William Hill, of course. RG3 total passing yards, 169.5. That's really freaking low. Uh, Marquise Brown total receiving yards, 39 and a half, juice to the under. Devin Duvernay, 23 and a half. Miles Boykin, 10 and a half. Uh, Gus Edwards, six and a half. Hilarious. Des Bryant, 28 and a half. RG3's total rushing yards, 28 and a half. Gus Edwards' total rushing yards, 48 and a half. RG3 total completions. Uh, I lost it. Where did it go? Oh, here we go. 15 and a half, juiced to 125 to the under. I mean, Emery, these are not the sort of numbers that you would expect from a team. I mean, like that screams, this team will score 10 points. You know, the disrespect that, 
a lot of people have for for guys that are athletic at quarterback. It's frustrating to to see, listen, read everything. You know, this was a dude that that was rookie of the year. This was a dude that had had tremendous accuracy when he was healthy throwing the football. This is a dude that has been part of this football team for two plus seasons and has worked with a lot of the guys he's going to be playing with at receiver. And I think if one noticed when Nick Boyle went with an injury against New England, first thing the Ravens did, which is what they should have done all season long, go to that spread offense where you have Lamar in the pocket, whether it's one back or empty, and run that up-tempo, short, quick passing game. They have tremendous catch-and-run guys, Marquise Brown, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet. These are guys that excel in space and create after the catch. I think we may see this look like Baylor's offense as opposed to them running the football and try to grind this clock out and keep wow. it close. We may see them go spread and allow RG3 to, you know, dink and dunk his way down the field and allow those guys the opportunity to make things happen after the catch. So I probably would lean over the passing total for, for uh, RG3. I would also probably lean over the completions. I think we're going to see a series of completions with these catch and run guys. So maybe 20 or 21 completions for RG3. Um, the receiving total, I would probably stay away from, but I think RG3 can be solid in this approach. Again, not only is this a chance to keep them in the playoff hunt and give them an opportunity to move up in seating, but this is an audition for RG3 to show people once again, hey, I can be a starter. We saw him win a game last year as a starter. So it's not like he's chopped liver. I just hate the disrespect that a lot of these guys get uh, and, you know, and, and they forget how good these guys are. Hey, hey, look, RG3 won a game against Pittsburgh. I mean, hell, you know, it was a different, it, it was a good Pittsburgh defense, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously Ben Roethlisberger wasn't involved. He was already out. Uh, in that game, he went 11 of 21 for, uh, 53%, 52.4% completion, 96 yards, no touchdowns and one interception. They won 28 to 10. So it was a, um, it was a, it was a, I'm trying to think how did they score defensively. They must have, they were rolling at that point though. Yeah. yeah. They had a, a defensive fumble recovery in the end zone. A pile of Justin Tucker field goals and a safety where Duck Hodges had intentional grounding in the end zone, which is very 2019 Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, I think, I don't think you can take the under on any of those Ravens props. They're just so low. Like if you're taking the under on those Ravens props, you are, you are banking on just zero offense for Baltimore. I mean, just instead of sprinkling on those props, just take the regular under. Cause if those, or, or the Ravens team total under, like if you think those are good bets to go under, cause they are, I mean, again, they're incredibly low, then just take the Ravens team total under. Um, I mean, I just, if I had to pick one from there, I don't Is know. it snowing I, in the game? Because, you know, I know they had a, a, some bad weather run through that area, but does that even like these numbers are ridiculously low? Yeah. Point. It does look like we're going to have. 15, 13, 11 mile per hour wind throughout the game, but drops down below 10 from much of the game. Um, gonna be, yeah, in the, in the high, the high thirties, low forties. It'd be cold. No, it doesn't look like any precip- uh, precipitation during the game. I mean, it's just gonna be a cold, kind of windy Pittsburgh game. Uh, you know, uh, why is this total? Why did the total go up? Why would it go? I mean, I know it's just half a point, but why, why did it go up? That didn't make any damn sense. This is an under smash, right? Yeah, I think so, especially if both teams want to remain healthy and just get out of there. It may be a situation, although the score didn't reflect it. You saw how Sean Payton called that game against 
Denver. It's just trying to get out of there. Like, just basically, like, you know what? I'm not going to reveal too much. We got Atlanta next week. We know they're shorthanded on the other side. We're just going to win this game and just get out of there and try to run this clock while running our offense, our scaled-down offense. And that's exactly what they did. If Denver had any regular quarterback, that game probably would have been a little closer. Yeah. Um, but the Saints clearly went there and tried to run that game out of, you know, existence and get back on the plane back to New Orleans. I think we'll see Pittsburgh do the same thing here. Baltimore should have some success. They'll be competitive because they're a much better team. And a lot of these guys have been together a longer time than, than what we see at Denver, saw at Denver. But I think this game will be, it'll be entertaining. I think it'll be entertaining. Uh, and on the Pittsburgh side of things, am I, uh, let's see, Jalen Samuels is out. Am I missing something? Is James Conner out? going to be interesting. I think they had their own bouts with COVID too. And counter really, James Conner is out. He tested positive for COVID. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I completely blanked on that. Um, Benny Snell is the guy with the highest rushing total. I think, he, I think this is an interesting one, an interesting prop on William Hill, uh, Emory. Anthony McFarlane, total rushing yards over 21 and a half. So you're talking about a backup, but in, in, in your, in the way that we see this game going and the way that you talk about it with like the Sean Payton approach, you don't reveal much. I mean, I think he's run Benny Snell and, Bo- and, and baby Booger. He's not really Booger's kid, but whatever. Uh, and run Anthony McFarland into the, like into the, into the Ravens front and just try and establish a run game, play defense. Don't let RG3 do anything. And you see that he, like, I think that's such a low rushing total. I mean, he needs eight carries basically at, you know, less than, eight, Seven carries averaging like 3.2 yards to get over 21 and a half. I tend to like that low number. I, I like that number too, especially when it's paired with the player. When you look at Anthony McFarlane, he is an explosive guy. He is someone that only needs one carry to really bust that over on that rushing total. He's an explosive playmaker. He's a chunk play guy and he has the potential to really have a eight carry. 75 yard game because he broke off a 42 yard run. So I'm more scared of him, scared of him as opposed to Benny Snell. You could beat Benny Snell to the point of attack and stop him at, in a run game. McFarlane is one that if you let him get a sliver of a lane, he will exploit that and take it to the house. So I'm more excited to see him play. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm more afraid of what he could potentially do than Benny Snell. Any interest in any of the passing, um, Props for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson total receptions over five and a half is minus one thirty. That's a big, have a big number for this sort of game. Although they could end up in a situation where they can't run and they need to dink and dunk some. Chase Claypool over four and a half receptions minus one twenty five. Um, Eric Ebron over three and a half minus one twenty five. I'm always. Uh, I don't know if I Claypool. Deontay Johnson over longest reception twenty point five. I don't hate, uh, but I, I just don't know if I love a lot of these passing props especially in what could be a kind of a windy game where we're focusing on the under i think you sort of have to lean all in on the game script right when when you focus on pittsburgh's passing props i always am quickly going to look at claypool's longest reception Mm. because to me that's easy money you know whatever that number is he's gonna hit it because 19 and a half that's easy i would take the over on that okay all right so those are two props there then the uh McFarland, you like McFarland over rush yards? Love is over, and I love Claypool's over. To me, all right, I'll I'll flag plant on McFarland. You can flag plant on Claypool over over longest reception. I, I like both of those, uh, and obviously 
if you're doing any CBS Sports HQ work, feel free to give them out uh, on there. Let's talk about real quickly about some DraftKings, some showdown stuff for this game at 3.40 p.m. Wow, they did a million-dollar DraftKings special somehow anyway for a 3.40 game where Lamar Jackson and two, two of the highest-priced guys are out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 17-1 as a captain. Lamar Jackson, 16-5, but he's out. Deontay Johnson, 16-2. Claypool, 15-6. Juju, 14-4. Benny Snell, 13-2. And you finally get to RG3 at 12-6. And then the Steelers defense, 11-7. I mean, this is, I think that, I, I don't, I mean, look, if you, the, the popular move here, I think, is going to be for people to get the Steelers defense as the captain, to grab Benny Snell, to grab, um, where's our boy, uh, McFarland? Oh, he's cheap. He's 2,600 on flex. That's a must have if you believe what, what, uh, Emory and I are talking about. And then you basically have 9,000 per person to work with. You can grab Ben, Deontay, and Justin Tucker. So that could, Tucker can be your one Raven. So you can go, I mean, I just think this would be a popular build. Steelers defense, Deontay Johnson, Ben Roethlisberger, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, and Justin Tucker. That's basically the Steelers kind of do have their way with it. I'd love to get Claypool in there instead. I think you could ditch Deontay Johnson and go with Claypool. You like Claypool or Deontay Johnson better overall in this game? If, if you're talking best ball, probably Claypool. But Johnson's uh, reception total every week seems to be about five and a half what they, what they have on William Hill. So he seems to be their Jameson Crowder of their offense. They seem to give him a lot. With target. some deep speed too, yeah. Exactly. So I would probably, you know, it depends. I would lean more. I would go for the for sure bet. Me, conservative by nature, so I would take Johnson more so than Claypool. Yeah, and so I think. I mean, maybe I'm just being a chalky donkey, and that's entirely possible. That's sometimes that's who I am, like 75 percent of the time. But I like the idea of Steelers defense as your captain: Claypool, McFarland, Ben Roethlisberger, Benny Snell, and then Justin Tucker is your only Raven. Um, if you want to be super contrarian. You know, you can obviously do something insane like, I mean, uh, let's see. You could take Gus oh. Edwards over Benny Snell. Yeah. Well, I'm even thinking if, if you want to have a chance to win the top prize in this thing, I mean, like this, this lineup, if let's say that's the, the top lineup, it's going to chop it like a hundred different ways. Because I'm not going to be the only person who thinks this is the way to go, where you go Steelers defense as the captain and then jam a bunch of people in there. However, you can you could do something insane and go with Gus Edwards as your captain. And this is not in line with the way that we think this game is going to play out per se. But Gus Edwards, RG3, or even go with I mean, go with RG3 as your captain. I'm pretty sure you can jam everybody in there if, if you go with him. He's so cheap. And he's basically the same price as the Steelers defense. So your RG3 is your captain. With Gus Edwards, if you go with RG3, you need to get a, a pass catcher. Screw it. Let's go Des Bryant. We'll, uh, we'll toss uh, maybe Ravens defense in there. And then you could bring it back with Ben and a pass catcher. And that is a complete contrarian play on what we think it'll be, which is Steelers grind out ugly low-scoring win. I don't think it's going to be a shootout, Emery, but if you want to have a shot at differentiating yourself and being – you know, contrarian here, going RG3 as your captain or maybe even Ravens as your defense as your captain and sort of seeing it come a, a different angle is not a uh, not a terrible plan, right? Yeah, not not at all, especially that Des Bryant play. I figure he's going to see a lot of targets too as a, 
as a supplement to the run game. If they can't run the football, they're going to go quick, short passes, catch and run, which plays into Duvernay, Prochet, Des Bryant, and allow those guys to muscle their way or, or quick their way to, to some chunk plays. Uh, Prochet had, I don't know how many targets he had last week, but he had his first catch of the season, I believe, against Tennessee. I, I, I freaking love that guy at SMU. Like he's a stud. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if he's going to be a huge fan. I mean, they, I don't know why they wouldn't use him more. He's 800 bucks if you want to toss him in, into a lineup. I mean, I would rather have him for 800 than Miles Boykin at 1800, although Boykin could theoretically decide to break out. One guy I think that is really interesting in this spot. Uh, his price has gone up to uh, 2200 from $200 with Mark Ingram and, and J.K. Dobbins out. Justice Hill, who's a, I mean, is a stud runner. So if you wanted to go with the young guys and see if the Ravens just trying to go get a little crazy uh, and toss those guys out there, I don't hate that. I almost think you pointed out Justin Tucker, even in this windy potential conditions with his leg and accuracy and all of that, he might be a must start at 3800 uh, because that could be the angle that the that the Ravens really attack with is just knocking down field goals and trying to keep it close and and playing a bunch of defense. Uh, so those are your sleepers. Those are your possible ways to attack the DFS. We love the under, the Chase Claypool longest reception, and Anthony McFarland over rush yards. Emery, as always, buddy, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely appreciate you having me.